Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast. I'm sure you don't recognize my voice, and my name is Heaven, and I'm here with Pastor Adam. Hey, hey. Um, We're on episode 89 of the series, Symptoms of a Dead Church, and we're going to talk about the decline of the American church. Yeah, we've been doing this series now for four or five weeks, something like that. Um, Some various different voices on it, and so Heaven is our newest voice. I'll give you guys some heads up. So her husband, Matt, was on the podcast on this series a few weeks ago. Um, Matt is... They made fun of my name. Yes, we did. Her name is Heaven, (laughs) and then her middle name is Lee. Heaven Lee. It's hilarious, I think. Hilarious. Yeah, so hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) At least it's a positive thing. It is, it is. I hear a lot of things, you know. There's a lot of songs with my name in it. At least it's a good one. You like your parents when they choose names like that. Sometimes they can end up being not good, yeah. and they're you know you're picked on because of it. Like these, at least this one, if you're picked on, it's a positive thing, right? right? right. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> but it is so unique. I have never heard anybody named Heaven. First off, nobody named Heaven. Oh yeah. Secondly, <laughs> definitely not Heavenly. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. But well, um, thank you. Yeah, Pastor Matt is her. So her husband is our campus pastor at our Castle campus. Relatively new with the team. Now a lot of the people that listen to the podcast are not connected to Union Church at all, right? So this podcast is not a Union Church podcast. However, um, because that's the context of my life, and I tend to use a lot of people connected to that in certain ways. And so um, Matt is our campus pastor, and he and Heaven and their family have been with us now for six, eight months, somewhere in that range. Yep. Yep, and Heaven, you have uh, like 66 kids or something like that, yeah, right? four. Sometimes <laughs> it does feel like 66, though. I can three, roll with that. Three boys, one girl? Yes. Yeah. Three boys, one girl. What's the ages? Uh, 12, 9, 4, and um, 6 months. Oh, my yeah. goodness gracious. That sounds yeah. very, very busy. Yes, it is. Very busy all the time. But um, I'm really excited to have Heaven guest hosting with us. Um, you guys obviously noticed that we've had quite a few guest hosts you know, as we're transitioning things. And so um, on this particular series, we have had some guest hosts, but we've also had um, some just some guests. And so what we've been doing is, is we've been saying, okay, let's just, let's just realize and talk about what's for real. So when we talk about the fact that the church in America is in steep, steep decline, we're not just doing that to be negative, right? I don't, I'm not, I'm not down with especially Christian related stuff that is just so horribly negative all the time. Like the world is burning and all this kind of stuff. We have a hope in Jesus. We always grab that, but you got to be able to talk through the problem if you're ever going to get to some sort of solution. And so right. we decided that maybe it would be best for us to get some different perspectives on what is it that is causing the church to decline. What we've seen so far, and Heaven just pointed this out to me a little while ago when we were meeting, what we've seen so far is that um, that all these answers that people come up with, they unique and stand on their own, but they also overlap each other quite a bit, um, yes. quite a bit. So mm-hmm. Heaven has had no prep whatsoever. She's had, um, She maybe got maybe got... 45 minutes of prep um, in a conversation, and half of that was how to run this stuff in front of her. So, but on the topic, it was, Kevin, what do you think um, is one of the main reasons that's causing the decline of a church in America? What do you think, what you think is making the church die? And what we're looking for is just a gut level first impression thought, that first thing that comes to your head. So the reason we didn't tell anybody ahead of time um, is not because we're lazy, but we kind of are, but it it was so that we didn't want people to Google it. Like, I didn't want you to go find the statistical reasons why all this is happening. Right. We wanted a genuine answer. Yeah, yeah, we wanted just a genuine answer, right? And so that's what she's got to do here in just a second. And just to clarify what we're talking about, we we are using statistics. And so so there's a lot of statistics out that are relatively new, um, but this trend has been happening for a long time. But these stats are showing us, like in real time, that the church in America is in steep decline. Um, and what we are seeing is that um, those other three main religions or so, they are not as in steep decline as Christianity is. And the amount of people that are now identifying as none, meaning no religious affiliation whatsoever, that number is increasing. And so what we see happening is um, for in relatively short time in the future, um, Christianity will be the minority in of the of, in religions uh, in religious identification. Um, 
in the near future. Wow. And, and then the one statistic that we're looking at also is more in line, which we brought out a couple of weeks ago, is more in line with the fact that um, church membership, and we don't just mean like, when we say that, we think, you know, I'm on the membership role. Well, kind of. But what we mean is, is if somebody has a place or a house of worship across any religion that they affiliate with, they belong, they feel like they belong right. to, whether that's officially on paper as a member or not. Like our church, we don't do official on paper membership, right? Because I think actually nobody really cares about that anymore, and especially unchurched people. Um, but affiliation to the church, that that number for the first time ever has now officially gone below uh, the 50% line. Wow. And that includes Judaism and Islam and then the Christian Church Membership Association. Um, so that number's dropped below 50%. And then what we also are seeing, so just to make sure everybody's on the same page again before you give your answer, Heaven, this also gives you more time to think of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Take your time. What we also are seeing is is that each generation of people currently right now, it is dropping further. So like the current statistics are showing that baby boomers, for example, um, 15 or so percent less of them than uh, 20 years ago um, are now not affiliated or associating with a church. Um, the same thing with the next generation. So Generation X, same, almost same numbers. Millennials, almost same numbers. And then you get this newer generation, this just newer generation of millennial um, that is let more, right? So it's more of a pull away from it. And, and this basically this massive decline has primarily been happening um, at the turn of the century till now. So between 1999 and basically 2020, 2021, that's where we're seeing this big decline. So most of this has happened in the last 20 years, um, and most of the people listening to this podcast, that is hitting your time frame. And so it's not just the younger generation pulling away. It is also a, a decline in church attendance, identification as a Christian amongst those other age groups over the last 20 years too, right? right. So this overall it, all generations. It, it's not just the old generations right. dying. Right. And that's why I know as many people identify and the younger generation is saying, you know, we don't want to have anything to do with this. It's not just that. Right. It's across all of them, right? And so this is significant. And yeah. as a church leader, right, and as, as, as church leaders, as we're both sitting here talking, yeah. this is a big deal. And as Christians who really care about um, the mission of the gospel, this is a big, big deal. Like so, if you're if you're a Christ follower and your faith is not really pushing you to share the gospel or reach people with Christ or grow the kingdom, then you ain't gonna care as much about this. This is much more personal to your own faith walk, right? Right. Um, but if you actually care about those things, then this is a it's big, very big concerning. Deal. It's very yeah. concerning. Yeah. And I think that it, I'm not saying it to be negative. I'm saying it to be like we need to talk about yeah, these things. Yeah, we need to be aware. We need to be aware. Address and, the issues, and we need yeah. to figure out how we can change those things. And I think right. anything like this gives us some introspection. So. The, the stats are a big piece, but then also what we've seen through this podcast as well, that it's not just the stats. It's also personal experiences that we have where we realize the stats are right. right? There's, yeah. there's these personal experiences where we know, like, for example, we had an episode with Stephanie Lee here where they were talking about church hurt. And I think that you can look at some statistics that tell you that people are distrusting of the church because of all these things. And we can look at scandals and things that have happened, but then we also have personal experiences of right. our own that show, yeah. you know, that there is deep church hurt as well. And so, if we have that personally, and we know it's happening across the board, well, obviously that's going to be concerning. And I think that that's something that we can fix. You know, I think that's yeah, something definitely. that we can correct. And so, all that said, and I have no idea what, idea what we talked about in the other episodes. You can go back and look. This is a different feel. This one's very much a just let's just kind of talk it out conversation. So there's no real direction. Heaven, what do you think, Heavenly, what do you think <laughs> is the, um, for you, this, this sort of reason that stands out that the church in America is in decline? What do you think it is? Well, the first thing that come to mind when you asked me that was division. I think that you can see division within the body of Christ um, and, and you see like outlookers, you know, viewing that and saying like, hey, there's so much division. There's so so many issues within the church, but then also within the body in itself, mm. you know, that that people are leaving the church and um, because of that division. And um, I think just really harsh views. There's so many polarizing views within the church and people just tend to go one way or the other and they don't utilize um, the uniqueness and the diversity mm. that could be present within the body of Christ. 
So you think that the division lines kind of pair up with the polarizing views or I polarizing do. ideas or whatever? Like, like if you've got a polarizing thing um, or you've got something that you're taking a stand for, do you think that causes division? I do in the sense of, like, I think a lot of times that division kind of stems from personal convictions that maybe you're not necessarily like this is right or this is wrong. And we kind of allow our opinions to create that division and push those things off on other people. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we The way I usually refer to this, and we talked about it some just recently, is that the church tends to get caught up in so many secondary issues that we lose sight of the primary issue, right, that is supposed to unite us. Right. And and what we see happening is that the younger generation does not like that. Like they, it, it bothers them significantly that we are focused on things that – I don't want to say they don't matter, right, but they're not the main thing. Yeah, they're not you know that, I mean? that primary purpose. That right. What we're about the love of Christ and these right. things that are that are they take precedence over these minor, minor opinions. So, do you think that um, the further we get, the fur the further we get, like as as the body of Christ as just overall Christians, because you know you've got different denominations and different subsets within that denomination, and you've got you know churches that are more missional minded in this particular way or whatever, do you think the more division that we get on these polarizing beliefs that it ends up splitting this body more and more and it's harder for people that are that would want to be a part of it to know what the heck to do or know where the heck to go? Or yeah, like yeah. that was a hard question. No, no, it's sense. okay. No, I I do and you know, I I was thinking, um, even as we were talking one of the things I heard you say, actually, when in one of your sermons, is that there's there's beauty in the diversity within the body of Christ. There's different purposes, um, even within the different denominations. And I think that if we can embrace that as a as a body of Christ, of in Christ, you know, collectively, that we'd be so much more powerful. That unity that we could have through the Holy that, Spirit that has got to be a reason that people are. So there's two things we've got here, right? We've got people that are, are Christ followers, are Christians pulling away from the church, right? right? Yeah. And we don't know if they're pulling away from Jesus, but we know they're pulling away from the church. But then you've got people who are outside of the church not wanting to be a part of it, right? So yeah. there's two different things here. Yes. This division that you're talking about, it has got to affect both of those, right? And so one of them would be people pulling away. Like all of a sudden, well, th- th- my church is so polarized by this one secondary issue right. that I don't know what to do with that and I just back away from it, yeah. right? I mean, it has to be. It has to be yeah, part definitely. of it. Yeah, definitely. You know, and then and then the same thing with with unbelievers or folks that are not part of the church. Going, I don't want to be a part. They're so hung up on this one thing yeah. that that I don't want to identify myself. Yeah, exactly. With that, that, that you don't identify yourself. Whatever That's that good. polarizing yeah. belief is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous if you think about it. And and I think that to me, what we're really talking about, I think, is because you can you can talk a little more about the. What are these specific divisions? Like, what is what are the ways in which we are divided over them? But I think they all seem to come back to, um, if they're coming back theologically, they're coming back to secondary theological issues, right? Right. And so, the church has always been some sort. So there's a reason that there are denominations, right? Right. And it's because that most of those are along the lines of secondary, you know, theology, secondary reasons, right? That we've decided that we're going to split or be a different denomination based on that. Like, let's just give some examples. Um, the mode and method of baptism, right? right? Pretty significant issue, but it's still secondary. Um, the way in which we do worship, right? Yeah. Um, whether we have to use instrumentation or we do not. Like, there are denominations where you cannot use instrumentation, right? right? It must be a, a hymn and a song or the, 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 um, the Bible that we use, right? So the translation, right. That it must be the KJV or whatever. That's typically the. I'm saying that one because that's the one it typically is. Yeah, yeah. Um, or no, right? Those are secondary issues, and we allow those secondary issues to divide us like crazy. Right, and oftentimes right? personal preferences. Yes, in, in many of those um, cases. So we do. We allow those things to create division. Yeah. So if you've got, so I'm thinking through categories. I'm a, my brain is like a category brain. <laughs> Compartments. I think you've got secondary theological issues that cause that cause division, yeah. right? So, and they always have, right? And they seem to do that more now 
But then you also have what you were saying is personal preferences that cause division, that you can't even tie them to a theological debate. Right. Right. They're just personal preferences. That's where I think stuff like politics falls into play. Now, we will argue in the church, especially in the evangelical church, that the reason we're picking our politics is it's based on our morals, which are going to a primary issue. Right. Um, but I just don't necessarily think that's that's necessarily the case, right? Yeah, and in like, looking at political views worldwide as well, a culture plays a huge part in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you know, I mean, you can say certain things, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to politically align myself with this group because of these moral issues, but oftentimes it, there are all these other issues that aren't even moral. Right. You know, like... Whether or not you're going to, um, whether or not you're going to uh, have free health care or build a wall, right? Yeah. Um, doesn't necessarily line up with your primary reason of following Jesus. It's, right. like it's yeah. still going to end up falling on if you're trying to loosely connect it to theology. It's still going to fall on the secondary level, guaranteed, right? Yes. Even if it falls there at all. Like I don't think most of them things fall there at all. Like if you're, yeah, you know, some of them do. Some of them you're yeah. going, okay, my morals tied directly to this, and this is a primary thing for me. But most of them are all secondary, and you got these personal preferences that that end up. You said the word earlier, polarizing people, and anytime there's polarization, there is significant division, right? So that's the whole. And that's the whole definition of polarization, right? right? If something's polarized, it's going to the two opposite extreme poles, and which means that there is a large gap in between there. And there's something wrong with that um, that is causing people to fall away from church in general, um, but then causing people who don't know Christ or on the outside to go, I don't want a part of that. And can you blame them? I mean, like, like, I don't know if I can blame them. Like they're looking at us, and so, so the problem with this is, is that the outside church world, who we obviously realize by having even having this conversation that we want to reach, right? Um, they're looking at the church and going, identifying us by this second, these secondary issues and these political preferences or personal preferences, right? They're identifying us that way, and so they're saying the church is this. Right. Right. And so that's why I don't want to be a part of it. That shows you the problem right there is because what they ought to always see is that the church, I don't look, I don't know where they are on what they vote in or how they say this, but they sure seem to love Jesus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's the way that they should see us. And the same thing within the church, right? So it's not just the people outside, the people inside the church, they're looking at us going, you know, the ones that are falling away, I think, if this is their reason, then they're going, well, I thought we was here for Jesus. But we seem to be real caught up in yeah, um, personal agendas, personal agendas and, and yeah. preferences, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, what we believe and think about, for example, because it just happened, Halloween is very polarizing and extreme. And then all yes. of a sudden people are going, well, I, don't, I just don't know if I want my faith tied to that. Or I don't know if I want to be a member or involved in this church who's just really hung up on these secondary things that are not that important. And maybe people aren't even, maybe this is all subconscious. Like maybe on a, on a certain level, people within the church who are pulling away from it because of the division, because of the polarizing beliefs, it's just, that's not even a conscious decision. It's not sitting there going, hey, we seem to be talking way too much about this and not enough about Jesus, so I'm out. Maybe it's just a, you just are just like chronically tired of it. Yeah. Or it's, it, and it doesn't inspire. You know what I mean? Like this whole idea of, we're right. You said this earlier when we we're talking. We're right. You're wrong. It does not inspire people to follow Jesus. It never has. Right. It, it's that's not going to bring. That's not going to bring somebody closer to Christ. I'm right and you're wrong on whatever this topic is. Yeah. And we as a church are going to stand on the fact that we are right and that everybody else is wrong. There's going to be people that are going to almost subconsciously go, I don't want to identify with that either. Right. Even if they don't realize it. You yeah, know what I mean? Just like like you said, just a gradual thing where they're like, hey. I don't see value in, in attending right. here. I don't see value in being a part of this. And you know, the, the way that you see that happen typically is not a decision. So when when we lose value in something, it's not us t- typically it's not us deciding, okay, I, this no longer has value for me. I'm going to back away from it. Usually it's just out of sight, out of mind. It's just gone. It's just not significant enough in our lives to do anything that changes what we do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of fades away, like you were saying. 
And so I would almost bet you, <clears throat> of course I don't know, but I'd almost bet you that the that the numbers of those people that are that used to be part of the church twenty years ago that are now pulling away from it, I would almost bet you that theirs is like that. It's just a, been a gradual fall away, right? Yeah. Um, out of sight, out of mind. This doesn't really. This doesn't really impact my life, right? right? And it's beca- which is it, almost more difficult than just a, you know a, a major conflict or something that you're really aware of. You just sort of like, oh, how how did I get here? You know, absolutely. How did I end up pulling away? Yeah, and then you just end up there, no matter yeah. what. Um, I th- think you're right. I think that it's obviously hard to exactly qualify what division and lack of unity and polarization uh, and p- preferences do. I think it's hard to qualify what it is that they actually do, but they definitely are there yeah. because the church seems extremely divided. Wouldn't you agree? Like oh, yeah. ridiculously divided. Um, and I mean, on the like, you could just go just go down the political landscape, just go down the the red or blue, the right or the right or left. It is like stark division in the church. Um, it, it, it's massive in America, in particular. Yes, right. And so if those divisions are there, then we're probably in trouble um, because how could you ever how could you ever grow an organization or grow followers? How could you ever grow um, you know your impact if everything that you have is all split, divided, and used different ways? You know what I mean that right. like I, I always think of this that idea in terms of um, uh, marriage counseling, right so, if I'm talking to a couple, right, and you've been married a long time, you can you can yeah. attest to this. I hope I hope you're on the same page. Other not, I just messed up. But <laughs> uh, you know, we talked to some couple, and they are hesitant, reluctant, or refuse to join their finances together. We have a significant problem, a significant yeah. issue, right? Yeah. Because it is this idea that a house divided cannot stand. Right. right. House divided cannot stand. And so if you've got a couple who they bring in their own money and this one's responsible for these bills and this one's responsible for these bills, then in no way, shape or form can they, at least with their money, say our family is about this. And this is the mission that we are on. And these are the goals that we have and what we're trying to accomplish. It's separate all right. the time. That to me is I a, feel that constant pull. Yes. In different directions. Always. Yeah. And how much can you really accomplish yeah. If you, you can't are, move forward, you like can't. That, no. You can't. Like, mm-hmm. and so I think I think that's the, that's what we're talking about with the church. If you've got all these different divided pieces that are all over the place, then you can't really progress the mission. And so, right. no wonder, no wonder there is a slow now in the last twenty years, quick but yes. slow deterioration of what the church accomplishes and the people it brings in. You know, it's like it's like when the kids play with Legos, and I hate Legos because I love Legos; they're my favorite toy, but I hate them because once you step on one, one time. They're so painful. Oh, my goodness gracious. One little one-piece Lego in the middle of the dark or a little man's head or something <laughs> on your heel. Oh, my goodness. Um, but it's like, you know, the kids will be playing with Legos separately. And they're building these little, and let's face it, they always build building houses. And yeah. So they're building they're building houses. And and then one of the reasons the Legos drives me crazy, Heaven, is because this is my, this you get a, you get a part of my personality, is I do not, I, you would never live in a house that was made out of, Different color blocks, right? <laughs> so, what about the imagination? So Adam? I, Don't put I, a limit on that. I end up going, okay, you can. What color you want your house to be? And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you got to pick color. And they're like, red. And I'm like, well, then the, the size of your house is based on how many red blocks you got because you're not going to be putting in some yellow ones and some blue ones and pickles. Anyway, that's just me. Um, Do you have them all sorted by color? I, I, in the sometimes, bins? sometimes. I've given up on that. We've done it a bunch of times, and it always just yeah. falls apart. But anyway, the kids will be playing with the Legos and stuff, and they can all build their own little houses. But if they pull these pieces together, they could build a banging, awesome big house. You know right, what I'm saying? Yeah. And and it would be going. It's every all resources, all things are going in one direction. And it seems to be that the church is like a bunch of little bitty Lego houses all around. Where if we realized that the beauty. And that is, power. Yeah, the beauty and the power is mm-hmm. in the fact that we're different. That's where the beauty is. And see, this is the part that I think the church has almost abandoned. Um, and, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that we have decided, along with our political beliefs, that we are right and they are wrong. 
right? And 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 not just our political beliefs. Some of our theological beliefs, like for example, right. we 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 preached on this not that long ago. The gifts of the Spirit, right? That we've decided that that these certain gifts that you see more prevalent in these denominations, they're wrong, and we're right about it, right? Yeah. And if we would realize that where our power really is, is in the fact that we are different, that we are diversified and unique, but the common thing is the main thing. The common thing is Jesus. So that's, that's what the early church, that's what was happening in the early church, all right? Don't don't say that they had more spirit than we got. It's the same Holy Spirit; nothing's changed, right? Mm-hmm. Don't say that they had. It was easier for them to do this because there wasn't any distractions. That is insanity. People had to fight to eat and sleep and have food and shelter. That's way more distracting. Yeah. Than I've Survival. got. I've got football yeah. games and baseball games to go right. to. Right. Um, it was harder for them to communicate, right? We can communicate with yes. anybody, anytime right now. You can literally right now if you want to, and that doesn't mean it's going to go to him or her, but you could right now pull up the president of a company and get their email address and send them an right. email, right? I mean, we have ha- so, so, yeah. uh, right. So don't, don't act like the church er- headed or easy earlier. They were also being killed and murdered. Nobody's trying to kill us in America for our Christian faith. Right. right. And even looking happen. at the new Testament, I mean, the letters that were written to the churches, they had different strengths. They had different weaknesses and Absolutely. struggles, the same that we do today. And if you're looking at that and you're going, okay, what, so what was the difference maker then? Right. Well, the difference maker was clear. It, it was, it wasn't a, it wasn't extra Holy spirit, right? It's the same thing. The, the 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 difference maker was the fact that all these people from all these different backgrounds and and a lot of them prior to Jesus they hated each other right and so you've got the hatred coming from the Jews and the Samaritans right and you mm-hmm. see what Jesus is doing and he's going I'm your unifying piece I'm the thing that brings us together and yes. all these people from all these backgrounds and all these different ways. And there was such a more of a class system then too. Yes. So people that were poor versus people that had funds and money. I mean, you take the disciples alone and just pick Matthew out of it, who everybody hated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all those other disciples hated Matthew. You pull Matthew out, you pull Mary out to the side and go, everybody couldn't stand her. And so you start putting these pieces together and you realize that, what was unifying them was just Jesus. Right. And that is incredibly beautiful to the outside world. So the beauty, the beauty piece is, and what worked with the early church, is they've all got all these differences, but they put those things aside because mm-hmm. Jesus is more important than all those secondary things, right? Yeah. And so there was unity there. I mean, heaven would talk about this before, but you know, what's the one thing, heaven, what's the one thing? That right before Jesus died, that he prayed for us to have. Unity. Unity. That's his primary prayer. I think we should pay very close attention to whatever it is Jesus says in general, but especially right before he's crucified. We should probably pay really close attention to it. Those final words. Right. I mean, so if he's going to use final prayers to pray for something and he prays for unity, then that must mean that division is going to be a big hurdle for us to battle and face all the time, right? Yes. And you saw the early church doing this some too. They had to fight against this. All of a sudden, you've got between Peter and Paul this idea that, you know, well, what do we do with the Jewish customs and the Jewish people and the Gentile people? The Gentile people now got to get circumcised too, and they got to eat the food and all this. What do we do with all this stuff? They were faced immediately with a secondary issue, right, Mm -hmm. that would cause division. And they, where did they end up landing on? Unity. They picked unity instead. Yeah. The secondary part of this is not what's important. Jesus is what's important. And I think that's where we've lost track, for sure. I mean, and, and I have felt this. Like, I have witnessed it personally. It's not just something we're looking at statistically. Um, I bet you have, too. You've yeah. been in church almost all your life. Yes. Um, yes. I guarantee you, you've witnessed that all of a sudden people decide to take stands, and in particular, people in leadership positions decide to take stands on some sort of issue that almost always is a secondary issue. Almost always. We were just talking about this. I thought we'd share it. Um, That like right now, um, there was this, right before Halloween, there's a church in America, prominent pastor. We'd call them far right, right? So they're over on the far conservative right side. Heaven hadn't heard of this when I told her about it. Yeah, no, I hadn't. Um, far right side, lots of people know them. I'm not going to mention the name because a lot of you would recognize it. And the church had decided that they were going all in on, and this church typically 
because the fact that I can tell you this guy's far right should tell you right there that there's some polarization and some political preference and alignment, and then also meaning that they're highlighting a bunch of secondary issues most of the time. Um, But influential and well-known decided that they were going to go all in on being anti-Halloween. And so they were going to have a Halloween burning where they were going to burn everything having to do with Halloween at all. Kids bring their, not just bring your costumes and burn them, but bring your little buckets to collect the candy and burn it. And, um, and, and, and so all of a sudden, some of the local faith community around that started to say that was not, not their denomination, not their group, but Christian started to say, hey, please don't do this. This is causing disunity, right? And, and in a, quite a respectful way, I think. So the stuff yeah. that I read looks looks pretty respectful. It may not have been, but it looked right. respectful. Yeah, from what you said, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I felt the same. And what yeah. I read, you know, I mean, I'm, I was reading an official letter from this group right. church to these source, people. Right. Yeah. And so um, and they were like, don't do this. And their main reason was disunity, right? This yeah. is caused disunity. This is not – this is a secondary issue. It's going to cause disunity. And so instead – of even talking about it. I'm not saying that they needed to change their views, just even having a conversation. It was, screw you, we're going to do what we want, and now we're going to add all of your symbols and relics to our burning as well. And so now we're going to burn your stuff. <laughs> and so it, it was just bizarre. <laughs> yeah. And so, I don't know, just a recent example of, first off, what I like to think of with that in regards to this conversation is, I bet you then the same percentage of people in those age groups that are walking away from church walked away from that one in that context, yeah. right? So like what all did a, that accomplish? Yes. And did that draw people closer to All of a sudden, how much you want to bet you had 15% of the people there in each age group go uh, and pull back. And then how much you want to bet all these people reading this article now that are outside of the church are looking at it going – well, these people, they ain't got nothing better to do. That's the thought that ends up coming into mind yeah. with this secondary stuff, this division. Like, they ain't got nothing better to do. Like, they're picking on these things. Who cares? Yeah. You know, and you'll see this happen with the with people where they'll go, like, the church, like, like people are hungry in your neighborhood, and you over here fighting about Halloween? Like, people, you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah, this. And, and division is never something to be celebrated. You know, it's really it's something to be mourned. And when you think about the way that the Bible describes the body of Christ, that we each have a purpose, you know, that unity is essential to accomplishing kingdom work and being yeah, kingdom minded. Yeah, I mean, when, when, when we are told by Jesus how people are going to know that we are Christians, how we're going to know that we follow him, it is, it, he pushes it back to they're going to know it by your love, not mm-hmm. by how right you are. On the issues, right. you know what I mean. Like, yeah. you'll know it by their love. And so, in other words, I think that what do what, you accomplish? Even in an argument with right. someone that you love, by just pushing your your agenda just to be right. Yeah, I you don't know, think you not, accomplish anything. No. And I think that too. Don't you think that we have forgotten the fact that right is right, no matter what, whether or not you like. You don't have to convince somebody for the truth to actually be the truth. Yeah. So you can, and you're not going to convince people by forcing right. your agenda on them either. So you can take a back seat to that. I mean, I'm not saying you don't say what you believe. Yeah, but yeah. You, can you don't a back steer away from the truth or you know, sure. and those convictions. But it's not that you have to necessarily force people to be where you are. You know, you probably got to where you are through you know through your life through your journey, and people need space to do that too. Yeah, and and it just feels like the church is supposed to foster that, not yes not destroy it, you know? Um, and I, I do think that the more we align ourselves as the church with personal preferences, secondary theological issues, politicalness, the more we align ourselves with those things, the faster the church will die. Yeah. Because I just don't think an unchurched world is going to look at that and go, that adds value to my life. Yeah. I want to see what they're doing. What it does is it makes them go, them people are crazy, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those people are weird. Those people yeah. are crazy. And then there's an issue with that. I mean, like, so so me and, me and Heaven, you know, just looking in some of those same stats that we've talked through this series, most of them are coming from um, uh, the book Unchristian by David Kinnaman. Um here was one we talked about, so which I think goes along with what you were saying, is that so young Americans outside of the church, so we're talking age 16 to 29, young Americans outside of the church, 
uh, 61% of them would use this word to describe the church, confusing. And that makes my heart break. Yeah. Because if anything, like you, it almost feels like you could disagree with us. Okay. You can be, you can think that we're crazy and insane, but what you should not be is confused about who we are and what we stand for. Yeah. Like you should know that, well, I don't necessarily agree with them, but I'm not confused by it. I don't, it doesn't, I can't, I don't lack clarity. Right. Like these people are obsessed with Jesus, right? I mean, like yeah. that's that's what you should feel. But yet, what we see is we see that there's a lot of confusion. That confusion has to be deriving from from the division yes, and from right. the opinions yeah. of so many people. Yeah. I mean, you even said even I mean, this is backtracking a little bit. Um, even looking at the disciples or looking at Mary, like personalities are a thing even in the church today. Differences of personalities. Like we need all types of personalities and people, you know, to come together in that. There's there's purpose in each and we often like, oh, I don't like them, so I don't want to work with them type of thing. I agree. And, I agree. Yeah. And people are looking for this. Yeah. So I think that if you'll notice that that people in general are looking for us to be more like celebrate the differences. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you notice around you right now, like yeah. especially in, I mean, the, the racial reconciliation stuff has pushed a lot of this, right? A lot of it's come out of uh, equality pushes for yeah. women, for people of color, um, for sexual preference or whatever, like this push for equality um, in general. People are looking to go to, to say humans should celebrate differences, yeah. right? Humans should, it's good that we look like a tapestry, that we're white, yes. black, yellow, brown, whatever we are, right? It's good that we're like this. It's good that we have differing views. I think people want that. And yeah. the church is supposed to be the place where you see that. The church is supposed to be the place where you see these people would not be connected in any other way in the world except for Jesus. But because of Jesus, they are connected in a way that we can't even understand, Right, that that yes. there's this appeal to the uniqueness and the diversity that that you know, and, that, and that's what heaven looks like. And I think that mm-hmm. it, it sort of feels like to me, you know, like when when we pray the, the Lord's prayer, where Jesus has basically given us a prescribed way to pray, He is saying, um, sort of pray like this. And there's a line in there that says, "Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven." Yes. Right. Well, what heaven's going to look like is the most diverse tapestry of anything you've ever seen with including people, right? Right. Languages, colors, you know, cultures, um, I mean, everything. Sins that we struggle with. I mean, just it all is going to be this this massive blend. And in the call for us that Jesus is teaching us to pray is to make the church on earth look like the church in heaven. Well, we kind of go in the wrong direction then. Like it feels to me like we're going the opposite direction. Right. You know, we're going like the resisting whole. It. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like if you if you vote right, you got you go here. If you vote left, you go here. If you're white, you go here. And if you're black, you go here. Right. And if you're poor, you go here. And if you're rich, you go here. And it just seems like, or if you know, it, it it's those political preferences or personal right. preferences you said yeah. rather. Of you know, if you want your music contemporary, you go here. If you like your traditional, you go here. Right. I mean, it's just it seems like we're going the opposite direction. Instead of the direction that what it's supposed to be, and I think there is a yearning in people's hearts in general to celebrate diversity because yes. we've been made this way, yeah. and the church should be leading the way in that. And I think that comes back to what you were saying: just the division is it, it just causing that. I think it's a really good perspective, heaven. Um, say what you said earlier about the younger generation. So we we always kind of. Not that we've done it on purpose, but we always end up like with a hope that we have here. Um, and so, like, just saying just now that people in general want to celebrate the differences. Um, we see that more in one age group than we do in anything else. Um, and you talked about it earlier, like, the there's some hope for us because everything we just said sounds horrible. Um, <laughs> it's like, Doom and gloom. It sounds like it's yeah. just, and it, it is, and it is heading that direction. I hate to tell you, but it is the church is heading more and more polarized, left and right, right, mm-hmm. not just politically, but left and right. So it sounds like we're on a we're on a train that is headed for a crash. Um, but you said something earlier about 
this younger group of people. And you're raising somebody in this age group. You're raising several, yeah. but yeah. Um, and I'm raising one. When I think about the ones that were raised in this age group, I only think about our older ones, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the little ones are just little, right? right? Like, but I think about those older ones. We're raising we're raising some in those age groups, and I can see what you were saying in my oldest already. Um, as a devout follower of Christ, too. I can see this in her. So what were you saying earlier yeah. about the hope I, there? I feel like this generation has, um, you know, they're going to be able to walk in a, a unique anointing because of the empathy that they have for other people. I think just the way that they approach other people, they're going to be able to minister to um, people that maybe previously, you know, haven't been able to connect to the gospel and haven't had that understanding versus um, previous generations who've allowed biases and things like that to get in the way. I think there's just, um, you know, just the beauty to be to be seen in that, that they're going to be able to to minister to people that are brokenhearted and people that have been rejected and, um, you know, across race and, and across, you know, opinions and things of that nature because they are more empathetic. I think that that that's just going to be. You definitely a think that they are there. that they are more empathetic to I, I other do. people. I do. I think that they've. I feel like they've witnessed things within the body of Christ and even growing up, and then seeing things even from the unchurched people and seeing like, hey, there is an issue here. Um, the gospel's available for everyone. Jesus died for everyone, so no one should be excluded from that. And I think that they obviously. I mean, we're our context. We're in the South. Okay, so. Me and heaven have, unless I'm speaking wrongly for you, we've no, always been not. in the South, right? Yes. Always lived in the South. Yes. And I think that even in us, in our age group, we have seen significant racism and racial divide, yes. right? Um, and I think that it, it appears to me that, and from personal experience with my own child, that the younger generation is very much against that crap. And they yeah. they are very much like looking at the heart of the person and seeing who somebody really is and much more accepting of, like you were saying, like empath- like empathetic, I think is the best word. Like yeah. they see people and kind of feel with yeah. them, not just for yeah. them. It's not like, oh, poor, poor people. Here's some food. Yeah. These people are like. They put themselves in right, their place. Oh, my gosh. Like I, I can feel their pain. And you'd like to think you raise them that way, like that you allow them to see that. But it's just like it's something that just like I said, maybe an anointing or something. It's like yeah. a natural thing in their mindset that they're like, hey, it's well, just I, so passionate about it. Dave have witnessed a whole lot of. And I'm sure every generation does this. Yeah. Right. But well, there's they, growth. Yeah. You know, it's like a. it's like they've witnessed progress. sort of awakenings in certain areas. Right. Yes. Um, and I think you're right. I think that there's there's you know, you have to look at it as an anointing, too. It's like. It's like the spirit is working in a particular way with the younger generation to change the way in which they see the mm-hmm. world and people, right? They changing like like pulling off the scales of judgment mm-hmm. that the previous generation has had. That's good. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then instead like applying this whole seeing them how God sees them. Yes. More so than any other generation I know of, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they are seeing people like the that they are living out more of I'm gonna see people through God's eyes and the Imago Day, like the image of God right. than anybody else does. These people are they're worthy. They're mm-hmm. they're not they're not just second class or weird right. or strange categories. They see the value yeah, in people and do. in human life. They do. They see mm-hmm. the value in it, um, and in people in general. And it's see, it's not, and it's not just. This is what you were saying before. Like it's like it's an anointing. It's not individual. This is across the board. Right. Like this is a mm-hmm. this is a new cultural tone you feel. Um, and so, if that's the case, and I do fully believe that's that's the way it is. Um, if the younger generation that we have, and the, the young, and we're talking about the Christians, right? The younger leaders that are coming up, if that's what they see, then then they have a path to correct this division mess, yeah. right? And drive us back to, wait a minute, these secondary things don't matter as much as the primary thing, yes. right? They they definitely have a way to do that. Whereas we we've just kind of decided we're dying on certain hills, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And, and literally, we are dying on those hills. That's yes. the sad part about it. Like we've decided, you know what, we're this we believe this is how it's supposed to be. We're right, so we're gonna die on this hill, and literally the church is literally dying on that hill. Right. And this younger generation, it seems to be so far that where they're leaning is is well, the only that hill we're gonna die on is that people are all the same. You know what I mean? Yes. Like and I think that's just a great place to start. 
Now they're going to have their same issues. Like the, the we we were talking about this before. The younger generation of of young Christian Christian church leaders is probably going to struggle with sharing absolute truth right. when they have the ear. But they're not, definitely not going to be screaming it at people, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and causing more division. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a great thing. So to me, that's where our hope lies as we wrap this whole thing up, right? Yes. Our hope lies in the fact that I bet then that if we will give voice to the younger generation of leaders and let them speak earlier and sooner in the church, Right. Oh yeah. That's Earlier good. and yeah. sooner. They yeah. before they've ever earned it, right? Before they've ever you know deserved that seat at the table, we give it to them anyway, yeah. because we need their voice on this. Because if if what we're being judged by on that age group is confusing, I think they could clear it up. Yeah. I think they could clear it up significantly. And yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. That's, I, mean, I I just think yeah. that's the case, and I think we've got to listen to them more. Um, Pass the baton of sorts, you know. To, absolutely. Engage them in that, and especially with them having some differences and in, in having that, um, I don't want to say open-mindedness, but just like we, I've used the word empathy again, yeah. you don't want to cre- them to separate from the church either because they don't they don't agree with the way things are handled. So to, to give them a voice early on, you know, can, and they're going to it's going to create have, that connection to the church. Absolutely, you're right. If they have the conviction of we need to treat people right. And right. they don't see that happening. And they don't see it. They're going to pull away right. from it. Right. They're going to pull away from yes. it. And then what's unfortunate about it is is that um, what you see also happen, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I read this a couple weeks ago. What you see happening is is that those younger people are partnering up then or belonging to organizations that do that that are now outside the church. Right. So they're becoming much more heavily involved in um, uh, autism awareness groups right. and the the 5K for the – you know, whatever it may, right. you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And these these more groups that are focused on a particular group. And then of course, they've got different secondary issues too. But they're they're instead of engaging in the church to do these things, they're engaging outside the church to do these things. Right. Now, part of that's good. Like you, yeah, you don't yeah, want to all do should, it through the yeah, church, right? Definitely, there should be connections. But it is it's sad to think that they have to go somewhere else. To, yes. to find that connection, that they can't find that within the church, within the body of Christ. And that they're not being built up to yes. to lead the way in that. You know, like, um, so our, our student ministry, student ministry is hard. It is extremely hard in general. In this newer season, newer life, it's very hard to do. Um, but our, our student leader, she formed for the first time in Union history. Now, those of you who don't know, Union Church is only a 10-year-old church. So... She formed a youth leadership team the last two years or so. And I don't even think she realizes, and I know the students don't realize, that what they say and how they say it in that setting is affecting larger church decisions that we make. Um, Because my daughter is a part of that. And so when I hear them talking about certain things, it makes me realize, oh, well, oh, we need to pay attention to this overall, yeah. right? And so they're they're not necessarily got a seat at that table yet. We're working on it, yeah. But just just bringing together them and having them sort of set a tone in their area, the church needs to pay attention to what's happening. Um, youth ministry has always been the sort of the tone setter for what the future church is going to look like. Yeah. Yeah, well, they're right. the future I mean, of the church, yeah. It makes sense. So, for example, when technology started being embraced in the in the church services, right, in general, it was because it was embraced in the youth services before, right? Yeah. When the music stuff changed and, you know, it, was, it started getting embraced there. Right. When the technology for uh, texting and all that kind of stuff, yeah. right, website, social media, right, all that stuff was in, involved in the youth ministry prior they already are setting a tone for it anyway. Right. So let's let's help them set a tone for how we treat and love on people so the church can actually grow instead of die, instead of it just being these, you know, tangible things like electronics, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I think that's right. And you know, that makes me feel good because you and I both have a a our oldest child who are solid in their faith and trying to pursue godliness and I can see that in both of them. Um, I like to pick on her son, Trey. He's the <laughs> oldest one. So I'm hoping Trey listens to this because mama's on the podcast. Now, he probably won't get to this point in the podcast because everybody stops listening at 26 minutes. I don't know. I think he'll um, listen. <laughs> so if he gets all the way through this, then um, 
you just all the whole world right now needs to know that Trey cannot throw a baseball and <laughs> knock me in any water at all whatsoever. In a and now tank. he just turned it off. <laughs> he just slipped it off. He got mad at me. But I love to pick on him. But he has this he has this countenance about him, and and my daughter does as well. And I'm we're not. And I I promise you, I am not being the parent who is thinks no, my kid's great. You no, know what I mean? Like, I'm not that parent right. anyway. I'm like, what what did my kid do? <laughs> I'm not the one that thinks they do no wrong. But yeah, there, there is, is a there, there is something. There is yeah. an attitude, a deep sense of care and concern and empathy for other people, especially people different than them. Mm-hmm. Um and that to me is beautiful. And that is the hope that maybe the church will not die on the hill of division. Yeah. I hope not. But I do think you're right. That's a big one. And that's so, I think that the way you kind of brought this around, you know, looking at them and, and like you said, giving them voice and like us listening to them and that that's going to create unity too. connecting the generations. I think there's division there as well. But um, but yeah, we, we stand to learn from the upcoming generation. And I think too, like when you learn to look at it as, Hey, we've kind of paved the way to come this far and they get to start here where we started back here. And so they have the opportunity to kind of be catapulted even further. And, um, and in that, and, and to, to get rid of that division, to create unity, to foster that in the church. I agree. And I think it is there. Um, And I think that obviously there will always remain division. I mean, once again, if Jesus is praying for unity, that means we're going to have a real hard time being unified. Yeah. Right. So there's always an enemy. (laughs) There's an enemy. We didn't even talk about that, but not at all. (laughs) Not even the word. Why did we miss that? Whoa. But yeah. He he's he seeking to divide, to divide us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he he would so much rather us sit around and build our own little Lego houses yes. instead and of come going, together. Yes, absolutely. And do something great. Absolutely. He would so much rather yes. us do that. And I really do think that the younger generation is willing to more than ever to combine their Lego pieces together. You yeah, know, I, agree. I really do think so. Um, Unless you're my four-year-old, and then you know you don't <laughs> well, combine that, any Lego pieces together. He's a generation after this one, so we have to <laughs> see what happens with them. <laughs> well, Heaven, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You oh, want to wrap, you you so wrap us much. out? Yeah. You want to do the hosting was, thing? To- it was an honor to be on the podcast today. Um, and if you want to follow uh, the Messy Walk podcast on Instagram and Facebook, you can keep updated there. And um, thank you all for listening today. Yeah, we're thank you, thankful for having being here, and oh, we will see you me. guys on the next episode in this same series. Talk to you later. All right, bye. Thank you for joining us on the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a good day.